Hello and welcome to Special Education Information. My name is Joy. The background noise you will sometimes hear is my two companions, my African Greys, Jojo and Sterling. They like to put their two cents in often, so I hope you enjoy what they have to say as much as I do. Today I want to talk about community-based instruction or CBI is how you'll hear me refer to it as. So CBI is community-based instruction. So this is mostly geared towards special education teachers, but a little bit towards administration because CBI cannot happen effectively without the support of administration coming in and providing the resources for teachers to be able to do that. And also geared towards parents in the sense that parents, you can do the same kinds of things with your children while you're out in the community doing different types of errands that you just have to do every day. If you think about it, your children are going to be in the community in the future and your kids are going to have to know how to do all the things that you're doing right at the moment you're doing them in the community. So what is CBI, Community-Based Instruction? Only the best part of the entire week that I taught and when I was teaching the younger kids, we got to go twice a week and it was fantastic. I loved it. It was just awesome. It was a way to get out of the classroom, get some fresh air and do some real live in-person teaching. This is why I am teaching this stuff to you kids in the classroom and take them out into the real world and show them this is exactly why you're learning it. This is what we're doing put to use. This is awesome. And when I was able to teach them in the classroom and say, hey, do you remember when we did A, this is how come it works like this. And I would be able to build my lessons off of things we'd already done and also build my lessons off of things we were going to be doing. So let me go into more detail of what I mean. Why is community-based instruction so important and so crucial, especially for our special needs kids? Well, for one, you're introducing them to things that they may never really get a strong introduction to, such as the different types of restaurants. One time we did a month of going to Subway, McDonald's, a Mexican taqueria. Uh, there's different types of restaurants that were out there. We went to the mall and the food court so we could explore all the different restaurants that were in there. So my students knew that there were different kinds of restaurants around that they could get to. They also learned while they were there how to order their food, how to pay for their food, how to take their food from the counter and bring it to their table, or how to go to the table and wait for the food to be brought to them, how to be polite to the people who were bringing them their food or who were taking their uh, money from them at the cash register and these seems like such simple things but some of our students need to have that direct one-on-one -on -one coaching through those things and going into the community is a great way of really teaching them the reality of it because you can sit and pretend to be the person behind the cash register and the kid can pretend to be ordering from you in the classroom but you both know that that's the student and that student knows that you're the teacher and it's just not the same as doing it in real life. 
kids learn that the money that they're learning to count in class and while you may have an in-class store like I did and it was very effective and useful for what I used it for, it's not the same as going out to a restaurant or to going to a store and actually buying something with it. And that's the other thing as far as stores go. There are different types of stores. Maybe they only have ever been to one, but there's the dollar store, there's the grocery store, there's the Whole Foods stores. There are just different types of stores that these kids may not know exist. And going on a community trip where you just walk around the store and see the different kinds of things that they have. Craft stores, that's another one. Craft stores are fun. Dollar stores are great because usually the kids can have a couple of dollars on them and they can pick something up that they want and can play with for the rest of the week or just to have. Kids can also learn, depending on their age range, how to make grocery lists for the cooking meal that you do at the end of the week. And they can learn how to use that grocery list to find items in the store. If they're older and can be more independent, you can send them to find the items on their list and if they can't find it, then they have to learn how do they get help to find that. That's an important skill that we all need to know is, gee, I can't find the chocolate bars. Where do I go to get help to find those chocolate bars? I only have 15 minutes because that's what the teacher gave me and I'm just not finding them. So how do they go find help to get those chocolate bars to bring back? Okay, I'm not endorsing using candy as a bribe to get kids to go and do their grocery list. That's just an example. But it's not just places like stores that they can learn about or restaurants. They can also learn about where do fire trucks come from? Where did they park their trucks when they're not on the go? What do fire houses look like? What do firemen do when they're not fighting fires? What about police? What are police stations like? What do they have the people doing there? What do the police officers do when they're not out on the streets? How do the police officers look and talk and act when they're just being relaxed? Maybe take some of the fear of a cop out of the kids because right now a lot of people are very scared of police officers but our kids really need to be able to know that they can trust police officers. What are the whole of doctor's offices like? Most of the time our students are marched back into one of those small little rooms, sat on one of those papery tables, and that's all they really ever get to know. And it's probably never a very positive experience. But can we get a doctor to come out and talk to our students for a few minutes and maybe just show them the non-scary part of the doctor's office, like stand in the doorway of their office and see that, that doctors are human beings too and, and not these scary people that march in and poke and pinch and stick cold things on our backs that hear our hearts? I mean, really, the, your imagination is the limits of your field trips. I'm sorry, they're not called field trips anymore. We call them community-based instruction because it is that. When we take the kids out, we are basically allowing them to apply what they learn in the classroom and show them why they're being taught it. And you can imagine why that makes such a big difference to the kids' learning and learning speed of the material that they are you can show them so much and just even just the grocery store, if that's all you manage to ever get to is the grocery store, you have hundreds of lessons in that area alone. So I'll run down some of the field trips that I've done with my kids of all different ages. 
from kids that were developmentally at about three, four-year-old age range all the way up to kids that were 18. We would go everywhere with these kids. It was so much fun. Some of the places that we went to were Jack in the Box, McDonald's, things along those lines. But then we were told we had to stop doing that. So then we switched and we started going to Eric's, which was really cool because they had things adapted for people with disabilities and they hired people with disabilities as well, which I always felt grateful for. We did the food court, which I mentioned earlier. So those were places we did for, oh, and Subway. Subway's a great place too, to take kids. It's affordable and the kids have some independence of picking out what they want to eat. Oh, one story I wanted to share that I didn't get time to in my story one, but it goes to show something of a mentality of people and people with disabilities. My student, Nancy, was trying to get a bag of chips open. Now, I knew she could do it. I've seen her do it dozens of times. Sometimes, you know, the bags of chips get a little bit sticky when you're trying to open them. And she was trying really hard to open this bag of chips. And she got to the point where she was screaming at the bag of chips. And people around us were asking me if they could help her because I was obviously ignoring her. I was ignoring her because I knew she could do it. And if I stepped in every time she got mad at something that she couldn't do, she wouldn't be able to do anything. She would be totally helpless. So I said, no, thank you. I appreciate your offer, but she can do it on her own. She just gets a little noisy. Sure enough, a few minutes later, somebody else came in Alfred. Same answer on my side. Somebody else. She finally got the bag of chips open on her own. She didn't even make like a yay, I did it, nothing. She just managed to open it and she dove into the chips and started eating them. Everybody else around us started applauding and cheering her. Oh boy, look, a little girl, she got her bag of chips open. And I'm thinking, you know, if that child didn't have a disability... They would not be applauding that child for opening a bag of chips. They would only be irritated at her that she'd made so much noise trying to get the bag of chips open and been relieved that she finally managed it. Not cheering and applauding like it was a big, huge deal that she got these chips open. That's kind of my mentality sometimes on things like this is that she can do it and she can do it on her own and she doesn't need people applauding her at the age of nine at being able to get her bag of chips open. But that's my cynical side. And either way, we still had a really great time at the mall that day. It was just one of those moments that sometimes makes me do that with that song as you know, you scratch your head and say, hmm. Anyway, back to the community-based instruction, the CBIs. We would go to Target, the dollar store. Those were favorites. The go to the um, the subway, not subway, the restaurant. We would go on the subway to the different places in the community because we, the school was half a mile away from the subway. So that was kind of fun to do, was taking that around town and go to the park sometimes or sometimes maybe somewhere else to eat. But we would, we would do that from time to time and that was always fun. Along the lines of the grocery store, we would go there sometimes with a shopping list. We had cooking class on Fridays. So we would come up with a shopping list and go on Thursday and buy the items we needed off the grocery list for Friday's cooking class. And that was always a great lesson on 
handing it to the kids and staying behind them, making sure that they didn't get lost or confused, but watching them trying to figure out how to shop off of the grocery list. And these kids were about 12 years old, so it's about the right time for kids to start learning how to do that particular skill. What was really nice about that grocery store is they were so used to the kids coming in was the bakery would give my students free cookies. I'm not sure how I felt about adding sugar and what have you to their diet, but once every couple of weeks, I figured it really didn't do them too much harm. I didn't have anybody on the list that was diabetic that I had been told anyway. But that's definitely something you should check on too, are diet restrictions you have if you're doing cooking classes within your own classroom. We would also take the bus a lot we would take it going the other direction that the subway would go and so we would take that up to the dollar store or to the mexican restaurant i talked about earlier and sometimes it wasn't so far that we couldn't walk it so if we had extra time we would just walk back to the school so the kids kind of had a feel for how long it took by bus and how long it would take if they walked it and that was good exercise also for all of us, all the aides and teachers and students that came along. The one thing, the one problem we ran into with taking the bus was sometimes they would see us standing at the bus stop and then they would just drive right past us. They wouldn't stop and pick us up. And that started our, well, let's try walking it and seeing if this is possible. If not, we had our cell phones on us and we could always call the school and have them send out a van to come and get us. And at least we would be able to get back to the school on time. But luckily we were able to walk it and we did okay time-wise. And that was really a good thing. But it was very frustrating to have the bus drive right by us and we didn't stop and wait for the next one because it was an hour away. And then we would probably just barely make it on time back to the school. One of my favorite field trips that we did that we did a couple times and always stick out in my mind was we went to an organic farm that also sold pumpkins and did hay rides and had hay uh, mazes and hay pyramids and just hay everything. It was such a delight and the kids had so much fun. They got to ride in a tractor and the driver would stop from time to time and hand the kids food straight off the field so the kids could taste what it tastes like when it was really, truly fresh. Fresh carrots, fresh beets, fresh uh, broccoli. I mean, everything was just straight out of the field and you couldn't get any better than that. And it's all organic, not coated with chemicals. So it was just a really good time. And I really enjoyed myself and I could tell the kids really enjoyed themselves. And so look for things like that, you know, maybe once a quarter to have just really a special field trip that the kids can really get into. And I would say that if you're a special education teacher or even a parent or an administrator and you don't have your kids going on these community-based instructions at least once a month, because when I had the older kids, that's all I could do was working maybe once a month around their academics and then I had to turn it into a more academic-based community trip. So we went to see Genghis Khan and I had the kids researching who he was and his influence on even today's world. And so I was able to convince administration to allow us to go on the field trip in order to 
further their education on this particular character we had been studying and they went for it. But I just didn't have the time to do it more than once a month. So it would make sense if your academics are just really heavily weighed down by academics that you could maybe only do once a month, but at least try to do that. If not, just really pressure as best you can without causing too many problems to try to get that community-based instruction in as much as you can. Talk to your supervisor, talk to the school council. I don't know what your resources are. Parents, back them up. And parents also, if you think about it and you can do these things with your children that are special needs, that would help them too. And if you're both the school and the families are doing these kinds of skills at home and at school, then the kids are going to learn twice as fast and they're going to be much better for it. I do understand that some of you and some parents are going to be more limited by not having enough paraprofessionals to go on to CBIs. I don't know if there's a way that you can split the class or share responsibilities with another class to do it. And I know as parents, your kids that are special needs may be a really big handful and even going out just to go grocery shopping may be a handful. And you think I'm completely insane for even suggesting any of this kind of stuff, but I really hope that you can try to find a way to make it work at least once in a while so the kids can really benefit from that. And you may find that you really enjoy doing it as well. Well, that's all I have to say for that. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner and I hope things are going well for you. I look forward to talking to you more in the future. And with that, Jojo and Sterling and myself say goodbye and talk to you soon.